Welcome to St. Andrew and to our virtual worship for the fifth Sunday of Pentecost and also Independence Day weekend. God bless you in your worship and in all of your life. As we begin, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake, God forgives you all your sin. And so it is by the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that I, his unworthy servant, announce this grace of God to all of you, and I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord of all the worlds, guide our nation by your spirit to live in justice and freedom and to be faithful stewards of all the blessings you have showered on our land. Give to all our people the blessings of well-being and harmony, but above all things, give us faith in you that our nation may bring glory to your name and blessings to all people. And especially in this time of trouble, be to us a sure guardian and rock of defense. Guide the leaders of our nation with your wisdom, comfort those in distress, and grant us courage and hope to face the future. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Today, I want you to think of something you really love in your heart. For example, I love my family and my friends. I also love coming to church and reading books. These things are special and important to me. What do you love? In the book of Jeremiah, God says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. God loves us so much that he puts his word into our heart. If you have something in your heart that has changed your life, no one can take it away from you. Your heart is the most important place something can be. Just like we treasure family, friends, or something special in our heart, we can treasure God there too. 
So what does he write on our heart? Well, when I read my Bible, or I think of God, I think of his forgiveness. I also think of his amazing love for us. I think of the hope and the peace that he brings. These things will always be in our heart because we walk with Jesus and he loves us so much. Let's fold our hands, bow our heads, and say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for putting your word into our hearts. We pray that our hearts would be full of your forgiveness, your love, your peace, and your hope. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah, the 31st chapter. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, good morning. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here with you in worship. And, you know, I wanted to share something that's been on my mind lately. Uh, it's a statement that I've heard quite a, a few people saying over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, I wondered if it's on my mind because it, it's a catchy phrase from the 2006 movie High School Musical. Uh, and I've also wondered if it's on my mind because of everything going on right now. And, of course, I've wondered if it's on my mind because, well, it's something that I've heard a lot of people saying lately. Uh, it's a, a statement that reminds us of this, this unity. And when people say it, uh, the hope is that there's a sense of togetherness, that no one is alone. And at the same time, when I heard this statement, uh, I realized that this is something I heard a lot growing up. Uh, especially when I was playing sports. See, other than tennis, all the sports I played were always team sports. And that means that my coach would say this statement every once in a while. Uh, and it was a helpful reminder that as a team, everyone is important, each of us have our own role, uh, and each of us matter to the overall goal of the team. And I think that's why the statement has been on my mind so much lately. Uh, because it includes all of us, and I know that it's something some of you have been saying, too. It's an important statement, and I think it's a helpful reminder for all of us. We're all in this together. Now, of course, uh, I could be saying that for a multitude of reasons right now. Uh, some simple things like wearing a mask or standing up and speaking out on behalf of racial injustice. And those are things that are so important and we need to do them together. But I think uh, first and foremost, perhaps most significantly, the reason that we're all in this together is on my mind 
It's because of us as a congregation. And along with that, in terms of the larger group of our church body, our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. See, uh, this statement, we're all in this together. It reminds us of the unity that we have in the body of Christ, that we are one in Christ. And at the same time, from our perspective as believers, the, the we pronoun there does not just include us, but it also includes God. Or at least it should. Uh, you know, I don't think that it always feels that way when we say that statement, and I don't think we're always thinking about including God there. And especially given all that's going on, I found myself asking this question. If we're all in this together, where is God in the midst of this? I think this may have also been a question that the people of Israel were asking uh, some thousands of years ago. And what's interesting is that this question doesn't exactly come from a place of unbelief, but rather from the circumstances that the Israelites were going through. Uh, and circumstances that they were in for about 70 years. See, the Israelites, they struggled with keeping God's commandments and being faithful to Him. Uh, they were constantly disobeying Him and turning their backs on Him. I mean, they were sinners, right? Uh, that makes sense. But what probably adds a little more salt to the wound, to, to their actions, was that they were doing all of these things. They were living in all these openly blatant sinful ways in the promised land. Now, the promised land probably sounds familiar because we hear about it all the time talking about the people of Israel. Uh, this promised land was the place that God had set apart for the people of Israel, that He had promised to dwell with them. We often also hear that it's the place where milk and honey were flowing. It was this incredible, amazing place for the people of Israel. And yet, in this place, the Israelites were turning their backs on God. Uh, they were not treating God's presence, the place that He had dwelled among them, as a gift. And even though God had sent prophets to constantly warn them, they didn't listen. And so eventually, they were sent into exile. And uh, this exile period lasted for nearly 70 years. 70 years outside of the place where God had promised to dwell with them. Seventy years outside of the land flowing with milk and honey. Seventy years outside of the place that their ancestors had traveled so far and so long to get to. And as they were exiled, there were many who knew they would never return after seventy years. It's at this time that I imagine the people of Israel were asking, if we're all in this together, where's God in the midst of this? See, they were uncertain of God's presence, especially because they had just been removed from that place. They had been removed from His presence. And i got to be honest with you. Over the past 16 weeks, I've had this similar sort of feeling uh, because like the people of Israel, we've kind of been in our own version of exile, except we've called it quarantine. Now, uh, of course, these situations are vastly different in that 
our quarantine has actually been a version of loving and serving our neighbor and caring for one another. But there is certainly this reality that we have been separated, uh, that we have been unable to gather in the place that God dwells with us. Uh, This church house, this place that many of us come to for community and for conversation, Uh, this place that while it's not flowing with milk and honey, it is quite often flowing with coffee and donuts. This place that we come together and God comes to us literally in the body and blood of His Son. And we've been missing that. We haven't been able to experience that. And not only that, uh, to add salt into that wound, we've still had to deal with all the trials and tribulations that face us in our daily lives. We've had to deal with the reality of broken relationships in our lives. We had to deal with the unloving and unjust actions of our neighbors, of our people around us. We've had to deal with the pain and the grief and the sorrow that comes with death. All the while being unable to gather in the place where God dwells with us, where God comes to us. And while wrestling with that uncertainty of God's presence, perhaps we find ourselves asking the question, if we're all in this together, where is God in the midst of this? Now, as I pondered uh, this question, I found myself coming back to the words of the prophet Jeremiah, the words that Jeremiah speaks to the people of Israel about their return from exile. In chapter 31, verse 33, this is what God says. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. For all the uncertainty that Israel had experienced as they separated from the place where God had dwelled, God was with them through it all. That as he makes this proclamation, he is reminding them that he is right there with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. God is claiming them as his own, reminding them once again that he has always been with them. And so for the people of Israel, when the presence of God is uncertain, His faithfulness to His promises remains. And that's not only true for the people of Israel, but it's also true for me and for you. That whether in exile or quarantine or even just through the daily struggles in our lives, when the presence of God seems uncertain, He remains faithful to his promises. And his promise is that we are like the people of Israel. We are his people. And even though we're at a time where we're technically still unable to gather in a large group, when he comes to us in his body and his blood through his son, we so crave that desire to be together once again. The reality is that he has never left us that He has always been with us, that He is still with us right here and right now. 
And this promise, this declaration is true in Jesus. Because all along, Jesus is the promised one. He's the one that God promises to send into the world. To to come down from heaven and to take on flesh. To live according to the world. He's the one that promises to suffer on our behalf. He's the one that promises to die upon the cross. To be crucified for me and for you. He promises to rise again from the dead. And in his death and resurrection, he promises forgiveness and grace. He promises a future and a hope. He promises to wipe our tears away, to replace our mourning with rejoicing. He promises to be with us. He promises to give us life and salvation. He promises that one day he is going to come back and restore us all to new life. These are the promises of God that come through Jesus. And these promises endure forever. See, for the people of Israel, it was approximately 70 years that they were in exile. But God's promises that one day they were going to return. And when that day came, there was great rejoicing and celebration. But everyone did not return at the same time. Uh, Interestingly, they returned in uh, three separate waves of people. But that did not deter them from this reality that they were all in it together. That their exile and their return was marked by the reality that God continues to remain faithful to his promises. Sixteen weeks. A hundred and twelve days, roughly 2,688 hours, about 161,280 minutes. That's approximately how long it's been since the last time we were able to gather together on a Sunday, in person for worship. And I'm not really the best with numbers, so I'll be honest with you and tell you I googled all of that, so if you think I'm wrong, fact check it with Google, not with me. Uh, But nonetheless, that has been how long since we gathered together in person for worship. And for some of us today, that time is over. Uh, We are able to worship together in person again, and for that, we can all rejoice. But just like the Israelites, we too are coming back in waves. There is still some time to go before we can all gather in person together again in this very house of God. But we take heart knowing that God is still with us, that we are the one body of Christ. And even when we are not together physically, we are still united by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this togetherness is because of Jesus. So my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when God's presence feel uncertain, know that he remains faithful to his promises. And our assurance of these promises, our hope, is in the reality that these promises have been fulfilled in Jesus. And so whether we are gathered virtually 
or socially distant or all in person once again. Because of Jesus, we are all in this together. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shadow, you won't light up, mountain, you won't climb up, coming 
God has made us his people through our baptism in Christ Jesus. Living together in trust and in hope, we confess our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Turning our hearts to the grace and mercy of God, let us pray. Lord of the Church, we give you thanks that by your grace we have once again worshipped you and received your word into our hearts. Bless all who praise you from our homes today and all who are gathering in our house of worship until we are all reunited in the presence of our gathered congregation. We bless you for all who have made music, carried out the ministry of your word and provided compassionate care in the course of the ongoing pandemic. And we pray that you will watch over us in the days ahead, that we may walk by faith and know your abiding presence in all the cares of this life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant us a vision of your loving power among us and bring relief and peace to the injured and ill, to all who suffer from the coronavirus and all at risk of illness. Give strength and perseverance to healthcare providers and first responders, wisdom and courage to political leaders, peace and comfort to servants of your church and to every person in every need, including those who we name in the petitions of our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the nations, we acknowledge before you the countless blessings you have graciously bestowed upon our country as we celebrate freedom and acknowledge our violations of the liberty and justice you intend for all your children. Work in all hearts in this time of reckoning that our sins against our neighbor may bear the fruits of repentance, that our feet would be set upon your new path of life, and that our love for you would be shown in our love for one another across all races, cultures, and diversities of gifts which you have made as signs of your creative love. Where there is conflict, bring peace. And where peace, justice, and freedom are denied, cause them to be realized in the oneness and harmony of your human family for whom your son offered his life on a cross. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guard and protect those who serve our nation. Give honor and integrity to all who make, administer, and judge our laws. And empower those who serve and advocate for the hungry, the homeless, and victims of injustice throughout the world Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. According to your steadfast love, O God, hear these and all the prayers we commend to you, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Mm -hmm.